Don't call me no disc jockey because I'm not a disc jockey. I'm a human radio station. and all submissive foreign nationals. Here's tonight's latest news. President Truman draws fire for his controversial The Box Stops There policy. The National Strike Breakers Association repeats its demands for new blunt instruments. Frank Sinatra challenges UN President Dag Hammarskjöld to a knife fight. In sports, the Giants 21, the Bears 15, seven dead, four missing in action. And now, please stay tuned for Holding Our Damn! It's Market Down, New York's number one sports talk radio show in this particular time slot. And now, here's your host, Mark Rossetti. Alright, we got to cut the music out pretty quick this week, because this is a big news day. As I'm sure all of you have heard by now, the big slugger, you know who I'm talking about. We got the news today that the big man has been diagnosed with cancer. And this is as bad as it gets, folks. Cancer is as serious as a heart attack, okay? This news is just shocking to me and absolutely devastating for this team. They're going to need a new cleanup hitter. They're going to need a new center fielder. Uh, these don't just grow on trees, folks. In this kind of situation, you just got to hope for the best and, and keep your thoughts and prayers with the team so they can weather this storm and still make the playoffs next season. You get news like this, it, it really makes you think, you know? You, you just got to wonder to yourself, why are we created just to suffer the pain of seeing our favorite team sustain a setback like this? All I can tell you folks is some questions that even I can't answer. Alright, let's take some calls. Rick and Madawan, you're up first. Uh, it's Rick and Brick actually, Mark, but uh, thanks for taking my call. You know, I always looked up to this guy. He always came through in a big situation with a big hit. I always thought he was tough, but now he can't play through this? Yeah, I hear you, Rick. You know, uh, this guy, it's not like he broke his arm. I mean, yeah, they found the tumor in his arm and, and a bit of his lungs, too, from what I read. But still, he can't swing a bat. Here's what else I want to know, Mark. Why couldn't he have taken care of this a month ago? If he started treatment on this, even at the beginning of November, he'd have been up and running by spring training. Now that's all shot to hell. Bare minimum, he would have missed the first week or so of the season. Nah, this is a bad job by him. You got to take care of your personal stuff on your own time. Use a little common sense. I mean, this is not brain surgery we're talking about here. I mean, yeah, eventually they're going to have to operate in his brain because it's already spread there. But you know what I'm saying. I tell you what, this guy had my MVP vote before, but he ain't getting it now. I'll tell you that much. MVPs play hurt. What do you think this does for his Hall of Fame chances, Mark? It's really hard to say. That's a good question, Rick. Uh, you know, Lou Gehrig quit midseason. It didn't seem to hurt him none. But uh, he was smart enough to get a disease that nobody ever heard of before so they could name it after him. You know, so there's all, there, that was a factor in it. You know, Garrick had great instincts like that. All right, Frank and Shady Pines, what's on your mind? Mark, I saw Lou Garrick play. Really? So you go way back. Yeah, I saw him play in Pride of the Yankees. Gary Cooper was fantastic in that film. I agree. Walter Brennan was also excellent. 
Very good actor. Very underrated these days. You don't hear a lot about him. In that film that I just mentioned, he was great. I mean, Walter Brennan, I'm referring to. Yes, I, I understood what you were saying. I always liked Gregory Peck, Mark. Of course, who didn't? Excellent actor. Mark, when was the last time you saw McKenna's Gold? Oh, boy, McKenna's Gold. Jeez, it's gotta be, uh, gonna be at least six years? No, seven. No, no, six. No, it was definitely six. I remember now because I was just off my third divorce, but it was before my fourth. This is great radio, Mark. Of course it is. An old pro like me knows how to keep listeners on the edge of their seats. Next caller, what's on your mind? It's me, Mark. Oh, sweet Jesus. Is this Sean from Massapequa? We got to hear from you now? Mark, this guy is faking it. I got a buddy who works the sanitation contract at Sloan Kettering. And while he was in his supply closet helping himself to a few samples, he heard some doctors saying this is all a hoax. That's a pretty serious accusation, Sean. You got any proof of this? I know this guy for 20 years, Mark. He's a good egg. He once helped me get disability by testifying that I had dropsy. So this is a reliable source? Absolutely. This guy ain't no liar. I mean, he's addicted to Adderall and sometimes he huffs liquid gold, but he ain't no liar. And I know he's a stand guy because he once helped me hurl a car battery at Mark Espinow. So the plot thickens then. Oh, what a tangled web we make when first we lie about stuff. Shakespeare said that, I think, or uh, might have been Vince Lombardi. Alright, now we got a special guest on the phone. His name is Dr. James Barlow, and he's the head of the oncology department at New York Presbyterian. Doc, thanks for being on the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Mark. Now, exactly what does a slugger have? Because I keep hearing conflicting reports, and I'm trying to sort this out. First, I heard it was cancer, and then I heard maybe it was rickets. Someone else said it might be scurvy, or it might be just some gum stuck to the bottom of his shoe. So, what exactly does he have? Well, a CAT scan revealed that he had several tumors at various points in his body. Subsequent examinations determined he is suffering from a grade 4 blastoma. So how long is he out? Like a week? Uh, no. He will begin aggressive chemotherapy treatment immediately and receive a follow-up exam. So he's going to be done for the first part of the season, the whole season? Uh, he just can't play through this? Uh, that would be inadvisable. A chemotherapy would weaken him to the point... Do you think Mickey Mantle would have played through this? I... Honestly, I have no idea. You have no idea who Mickey Mantle is? I know who Mickey Mantle is. I just can't say if I would advise him to play through hypothetical cancer. So who's tougher, the slugger or the Mick? I, I really couldn't say. Toughness is not really something. Best center fielder ever, the Mick, Willie Mays, or Duke Snyder? I'm really not much of a baseball fan. It's a simple question, Doc. Just answer it. Fine. Duke Snyder. Duke Snyder? Are you out of your mind? Uh, okay, well, Willie Mays. Oh, then. so now you're changing your story. This is not my area of expertise. I came on this show to talk Let's about... Let's say the Mick never gets hurt. Does he hit 800 career home runs? I can't really say. Is that a large number? Is that a large number? What do you know about cancer? Get lost. All right, after the break, we're going to have on Dr. Linus Pauling. He's going to help us figure out once and for all if the Jets should have re-signed Plaxico Burris. Back after this. Hi, this is Stu Leonard coming to you live from our flagship store. I've just flown in 7,000 red-legged mountain turkeys from the Colorado Rockies, some of the rarest poultry in all of North America. Bred in the mile-high air, these turkeys have some of the juiciest, most tender meat you've ever eaten. And they're so big, just one bird can beat a party of 25, so they're perfect for the holidays. 
The locals warned us some of these turkeys might not do so well so close to sea level, so you better grab them while you can. Stop by a Still Willander's location near you and pick one up today for only $6.99 a pound. Come on down, we'd love to see you. I'm your host, Alan Rickman. Bring unto me your vehicular issues and I shall solve them forthwith. Our first guest on the program is Richie in Coral Gables. Richie, welcome to Auto Beat. Thanks, Alan. I love the show. Uh, I just brought my 2002 Honda Civic to the mechanic because it's making a weird noise and he tells me that I should really get the timing belt replaced. It's going to be a lot of money, though, and I really don't want to shell that out if I don't have to, so... You know, I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. You would be wise to heed the advice of your automotive care specialist, Richie. A timing belt is not something to be trifled with. If it fails while you're operating the vehicle, it will cost you far much more in time and expense than if you had taken care of it in a timely fashion. Yeah, I guess you're right, Alan. Yes, that is quite often the case. Next on the program, we have Stephen in Des Moines. Stephen, this is Autobeat. What is your question? Alan, I just bought a 2011 Jeep Wrangler and I'm having a lot of problems with... Yes, I'm quite sure you're having a lot of problems with your vehicle, Stephen. Are you aware that Consumer Reports gave the Jeep Wrangler its worst rating in the last automotive survey? Uh, no, I hadn't heard that. Had you done a modicum of research, Stephen, you would have discovered that the Jeep Wrangler rates among the worst values of all cars currently on the road. It requires almost constant maintenance in order to perform at maximum efficiency. Tell me, Stephen, when was the last time you changed the air filter? Well, uh, to be honest, I, I don't think I ever have changed the air filter, Alan. Do you care about how you spend your money, Stephen? Well, of course I do. Your actions, or rather your lack thereof, seem to indicate otherwise, Stephen. Well, you know, I wound up getting it because uh, I wanted to buy American, of course, but, uh, you know, I didn't want to get a Ford, because you, you know what they say about Ford. Ford stands for... Fix or repair daily, Stephen. I am well aware of that time-worn slander. An intelligent, well-informed car buyer would know that Fords of recent vintage rank far, far higher in customer satisfaction than your precious Jeep Wrangler. Your prejudice sickens me, and I'll leave my sight. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think you can... I can see everything. Now, we welcome Mark from Galveston. Mark, welcome to Autobeat. Hey, man, you were awesome and die hard. Thank you for the kind words. Now, do you have a car issue? A what? A car issue. Do you have a car issue to share with our audience? It, what? Is that like French or something? This is a program about automobiles, Mark. Do you have nothing to add to the conversation? Well, I don't, I don't really have a problem with car or nothing. I just, I just want to call up because I heard you all on the radio, and I don't know, it just seemed kind of, kind of weird that it was you talking about cars. What exactly is so strange about hearing me talk about cars, Mark? I don't know. It was just kind of a, kind of a quality, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to put into words, and uh, I'm actually kind of, 
well scared now, to be honest with you. If you have an automotive issue to bring to my attention, I will be happy to discuss it with you. Otherwise, please keep the lines open for those who do. I have said this on countless occasions. I do not wish to repeat myself again. Now, who is next on the line? Yes, hello, Alan. I wish to speak to you about the MG Coupe. Is this Peter O'Toole? Ah, you found me out, old man. Pleasure to speak to you. Yes, of course I found you out, Peter. You're the only person I know who still retains affection for that heaping relic you call the MG Coupe. Ah, uh, Mr. Rickman, we agree upon a great many deal of things, but I'm afraid we part ways upon this point. I believe you're simply not refined enough to appreciate its charm. And what charms would those be, Peter? The ones that necessitate replacing the clutch plate every time you make a hard right turn? Ah, that is an interesting perspective coming from the man who favors the Rover 2000. You do not speak ill of the Rover 2000 on my program. Yes, of course, well... All kidding aside, I do enjoy when we give each other the business like this, so to speak. Indeed, although we are up against a hard break now, but I hope you will stick around and discuss the latest Volvos with me. I wish to discuss whether they remain the safest cars on the road or if they're simply coasting on a suspect reputation built upon lies. You will stay tuned. This episode of Autobeat is brought to you in part by David Mamet Kia. This is David Mamet of David Mamet Kia in Manhasset. We are a Kia dealership. That is what we sell. I have Sorrentos. I have Sportages. I have Optimas. I have cars in this lot I want to sell to you. These cars are to be sold by me, the man selling them to you. Come down and make me an offer you think you got the guts, you son of a bitch. Let me tell you something. I've been in this business since you were in short pants, pal, and I could sell a car to a dog. This is a game for men, so you put on your big boy pants and you stay the hell out of my way. I will sell you a car and I will do it without the big goddamn leads, okay? Fuck the leads! We're at exit 54 on the LIE. Free balloons for the kids. Hi, this is Still Leonard coming to you live from a police checkpoint high above my flagship store. But, uh, seems I got a bit more than I bargained for with these red-legged mountain turkeys. Uh, turns out that once you bring them close to sea level, they start breeding at an alarming rate, and uh, they become pretty powerful, too. Uh, I saw one bite through a cast iron lamppost last night, and the sight of it was just, uh, was just chilling. Uh, I would love to put the whole bunch of them down, to be honest with you, but our head butcher was overpowered, and... We haven't seen him for a week, so uh, if you're hankering for a real treat and you happen to have a military-grade weapon at your disposal, uh, come down to your local Stu Leonard's uh, and help us out. We would really, really appreciate it. Um, however, I must warn you uh, that these turkeys are surprisingly agile, and, and despite their enormous size, uh, they can hide almost anywhere. But if you can bag one, it's yours for free. Uh, don't bring anything smaller than a grenade launcher, though. Trust me, we found that out the hard way. Uh, but anyway, come on down, we'd love to see ya! Let's just end to the holy goddamn news desk. The Marines have landed in Greenwich Village. In order to forestall the dangerous tide of rampant beatnikism, 
President Eisenhower has approved an amphibious assault on the shores of the nation's most goateed province. Early reports indicate minimal casualties. However, several bongos have been damaged beyond repair. Beatnik UN Representative Jasbo Collins has condemned the military action as being nowheresville. We now return you to our regularly scheduled program. Hi, I'm Chad Dillahanty, and welcome to 45 and Counting, the show dedicated to all the best songs from yesteryear that you can't find because I bought them all and I'm not sharing. I'm on the phone right now with Willie Porkchop Henderson. Now, that may not be a well-known name to you, but you've definitely heard this man sound because Willie is one of the most legendary session musicians in R&B history. This man played backup on over six thousand singles in his illustrious career some of them my all-time favorites and i'm sure there's a few songs he played on that are some of your all-time favorites too so it's a real honor to have him on the show today willie thank you so much for calling in oh it's a, it's a pleasure for me too you know when you get to be my age it's a, it's a pleasure to be talking to anybody you know what i'm saying <laughs> so uh, no, seriously though thank you for having me on Oh, of course. Again, the pleasure is, is certainly all mine. And actually, I should correct something. I sure changed you a little bit. According to the records uh, that I've compiled, you've actually played on 6,742 singles. Not counting reissues, of course. Wow. Well, uh, if you say so, I'll take your word for it. You know, uh, math was never my best subject in school, you understand? Of course, uh... I played on so many singles over the years, you know, it got hard to keep track after a while. No, no, of course, of course. I wouldn't expect you to remember every single song you ever played on. Uh, I mean, it's only obsessive fans such as myself who are going to take the time to go back and count every single one of them. Uh, but I'm sure one song that you have to remember playing on was a smash hit from back in 1964 by Little Tommy called Where Can She Be? Now, that's considered an R&B classic these days and as far as I'm concerned that's due in no small part to the guitar lick that you laid down on that track which really I mean that just brought out every bit of soul from that song but what I but most people don't know is that you also played glockenspiel on that track now that just blew my mind when I discovered that I'd love to hear about how that happened holy cow wow I had almost totally forgotten about that Oh, that is true. Yeah, I did put a glockenspiel on that track. Uh, you see, what happened was we were supposed to have a glockenspiel player in the house band for that session, but, but he never showed up, and and uh, they were really anxious to get this thing pressed because little Tommy, you know, he was going to be on the Jack Paul show the next week, and that was a real big deal back in them days. So so they asked me to do it, and I said, hey, what the hell? You know, I'll try anything once. <laughs> wow, that's great. And it's is it true that you'd never played Glockenspiel in your entire life before that session? You know, Chad, I, I don't think I'd ever even seen a Glockenspiel in my entire life before that session. But, <laughs> you know, I'm a quick study, and I can I can fake it with the best of them. So I gave it a shot, worked out, got a couple extra bucks for it, and uh, we got ourselves a number one hit out of it, too. <laughs> wow. Wow, that, that is just a great story. Um, now, you're also renowned for being a great spotter of talent, and you brought a lot of people into the fold of the various record labels that you recorded with over the years. Now, I've heard that you were the one who first brought the Chai Tones into a studio. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I, I can take the credit for that. You know, uh, one, one day I was walking down the street, and I heard him singing on a corner, and, uh, you know, I, I was just taken aback. You know, I, I was really blown away by that talent. So I, I went up to him. I said to him, 
you know, you girls are too good to be begging people for pocket change on the street. So uh, I brought him in to meet Sid Kerwin. He was the head of the record label. And uh, and he just fell in love with that sound. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Indeed, the rest is history. And uh, I also believe that shortly after you brought them into the studio for the first time, you uh, impregnated the Chai Tones lead singer, Mary Lewis, urged her to get an abortion, and never spoke to her again. Is that true? I'm, I'm sorry. How did, how did you know that? I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I ever told another living soul about that. Now, Willie, back to the music. Now, I know that you played bass on the 1965 smash hit "Gimme That Pumpkin," and of course, that song has been sampled a million times over the years. But then, a year later, you played piano on the cover version by the Fairmonts. Now. I've always found that odd that you played this iconic bass line in one song and then you switched over to a completely different instrument for another version. And I was just wondering, what was the reasoning behind that? Was that you? Was that the record label? I, I, I've always wondered about that. Oh, well, uh, well, you know, uh, when you're a session musician, you just gotta, just gotta kind of roll with the punches and do what they tell you. You know, you can show up to the studio or not know half of the stuff you're supposed to be doing that day. Um, I was kind of a jack-of-all-trades, so the producers would call me in and the, into the studio to bounce ideas off of me, and, um, and uh, you know, I'm still wondering about how you knew about me and the girl. And then after the second session, I believe you went out drinking for several hours with guitar player Lester Monroe, is that correct? Well, you know, this is so long ago, I mean, we might as well be talking about a hundred years ago, you know, I can't remember exactly what I was doing. And then you drove home at four in the morning on a desolate country road where you hit an old hobo with your Cadillac and killed him. I, I, I do not know what you are talking about. And then you and Lester buried him in a shallow grave in the woods, swearing each other to secrecy about the horrible events of that evening. Do I, do I have that right, Willie? Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh sweet Jesus, how do you know this? Oh, I know everything about you, Willie. Of course I do. I'm your biggest fan. Well, it looks like we're up against a hard break. Can you stick around? I, I really don't think I can. Oh, that's a shame because I really wanted to ask you about your work on the 1967 classic Too Many Babies Wanna Be My Baby and also about what happened to your one-time best friend Sid Manfield shortly after it was recorded. He had a heart attack. Well, that's what the autopsy said, of course, but I think you might know better. I am a haunted man. Sounds fun. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Stu Leonard coming to you live from my military-grade fallout shelter several miles below the Earth's crust. If you can hear this, I just want you to know that was never, ever my intention to flood the eastern seaboard with an unstoppable race of super-predator poultry. There was absolutely no way that I could have known that outside of their mountain climate, these turkeys would transform into invulnerable, bloodthirsty monsters. Oh, live and learn, I guess. I also want to remind you that if you run into one of these remorseless killing machines, above all, protect your eyes and your groin. Those are the areas that these guys go for first, all right? Everyone should be aware of that. And if you're hiding out in your own shelter, I've been told that a special army unit is being recalled from Afghanistan to replace the National Guard platoons that got slaughtered in the first great turkey battle. So that's a, a bit of good news, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, i got enough food down here to last me... Oh, I guess, uh, I guess three months, if I push it. 
plus a handgun and enough bullets to take uh, the other way out if it comes to that. So again, sorry for all horror, but uh, if your town still has accessible roads, uh, we got Macintosh apples in from Maine, and they're on sale for 59 cents a pound. So uh, come on down. We'd love to see you. El majestico centro de película, el más grande cine independiente en el mundo. Venido a la majestico esta semana para ver Martha Marcy May Marlene con una actuación maravillosa de Elizabeth Olsen. Y Melancolia, el nuevo película dirigido para Lars von Trier. El fin de semana, vea la película de Woody Allen, Midnight in Paris, una vez última. El venir en diciembre, una versión nuevamente de la película clásica The Magnificent Ambersons. Ve la visión de Orson Welles finalmente observada. Solo al majestico centro de película, este aquí. el tiempo para Autobeat en español con su voz Alan Rickman Hola, soy Alan Rickman Bienvenidos a Autobeat Tenemos Richie and Coral Gables Richie, bienvenidos a Autobeat Hola Alan, uh, mi carro es un Chevy Nova Tengo muchos problemas con... Sí, yo creo que tú tienes muchos problemas con un carro que no va. <risa> bueno, bueno, Alan, bueno. Gracias. This concludes our broadcast day here on Holy Goddamn Radio. We remind all citizens that post offices and public schools will be closed tomorrow in observance of Lawrence Welk Day. If you've enjoyed what you've heard upon this podcast, please direct your favorite web browser to scratchbomb.com and enjoy a potentially explosive collection of verbal irritants. For Holy Goddamn Radio, this has been Estes Keefarver. Good night and good day.